Born in North Carolina, based in Bellingham, Washington. Broadcast on WHUPLP. This is Dirty White Bell Radio. Innovative, often duplicated. When enough people get on the trend, I elevate it. Make it way harder for them to follow what I take. It hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight, fight. I woke up this morning to a message from Andrew Faraday of Remington Place Productions saying, you just missed the best Toro Cup ever. I've no doubt that he's right. Every Toro Cup has been better than the one before, and Toro Cup 11 is getting rave reviews. I love seeing the results come in and watch whatever matches I can on video. Best of all, Lourdes was there getting live audio from a number of different competitors. We're going to bring you some interviews with Toro Cup competitors over the next couple of weeks, but first we're going to have an in-depth interview with the founders of the nonprofit that was benefiting from Toro Cup, and that's MMA for Africa. Some of these voices you've heard on the show before. You've heard Dewan Dirty South Owens a couple of times. You've heard Saida Durkee. They're both involved with the nonprofit. But we also talked to A.K. Rupert, the president and founder of MMA for Africa, and Kelly Grissom, the vice president. Over the course of the next 18 minutes or so, you're going to learn how they founded MMA for Africa, what the goals are. You're going to learn about Senegal's indigenous wrestling, Lamba, and how training that might drive the evolution of jiu-jitsu. They're going to talk about the possibility of having African competitors on Toro Cup, something that is in the plans for the future. And finally, if you're inspired to, you'll learn about how you can volunteer and help with this effort to change lives. MMA for Africa is an exciting initiative, and a bunch of passionate people have coordinated to make it happen. That's one reason Toro Cup chose to make this their nonprofit beneficiary, and I think you'll enjoy this interview with the folks who founded MMA for Africa. This is Lourdes with Dirty White Belt Radio, and I'm speaking with some representatives from MMA for Africa. Um, and we're at Toro Cup 11, where uh, we're raising funds to benefit this organization. And so let me hand off the mic and have you guys introduce yourselves. So I'm uh, A.K. Rupert, and I'm the direct- managing director of the organization and a co-founder. I'm Kelly Grissom. I'm a co-founder, I suppose, and also the vice president of the, the nonprofit. Hi, this is Saida Durkee, um, and I am one of the development directors and um, also just general supporter of the cause. I'm Dewan Owens, and in addition to being a believer in the cause and an advocate for the cause, I'm also on the board of directors. Thanks, guys, for sitting down and talking with me today. So um, you, everybody seems to be a believer of the cause and an advocate for it, but tell me, what is the cause? So the cause is to develop Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, mixed martial arts, and other striking arts uh, in Africa as a means to create opportunities for young athletes that otherwise would not have these opportunities. Uh, we're trying to develop the sport, develop uh, enterprises re- related to the sport on the continent, uh, as well as uh, create opportunities for them to compete locally, compete on a national level uh, within their respective countries, uh, regionally, and eventually internationally. So. That's, in a nutshell, that's kind of what it is. And towards that end, teams like like my jiu-jitsu team, and you can volunteer, 
then we travel over and do a, a series of seminars. Sometimes in the beginning, it was a clean slate. People had no exposure to the reality, reality-based martial arts explosion that's happening because of MMA. They have the traditional martial arts, so that's kind of how we started. And we would go to traditional like judo schools, but then expose them to the evolution of jiu-jitsu and MMA and that sort of thing. And so through volunteers and traveling and conducting these events and seminars, we're building like a grassroots knowledge of these sports and these arts. And at the same time, we're finding, we've been at it for five years, we're starting to find key influencers in certain countries that really have found the passion and are starting to pursue it as a way of life. So while they're individually changing certain lives, maybe and as in Senegal, we see a couple places where individuals have their own schools now and have started to have some small income based on the knowledge and bona fides that have been provided through the nonprofit. So my question is, is why did you choose Africa or why did you choose the countries and the places that you chose? So <laughs> this is actually uh, it's by one of the most uh, interesting parts of this, of this journey that we've been on is really at its beginnings. Uh, and really in 2013, um, I grew up in West Africa. Uh, my parents were uh, worked for non-governmental organizations. They were basically uh, 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 Americans living in Africa. So uh, I grew up in Senegal where the national sport, unlike the rest of Africa, where it's usually uh, the, the most popular sport is generally soccer or something along those lines, the national sport there is actually traditional wrestling, uh, which is a, a, a wrestling art that dates back 700 years. Uh, that has been practiced uh, in Africa for, for seven, seven centuries and is the national sport and by far the most popular sport uh, uh, that draws the biggest crowd. So with that, uh, came back in the States, uh, came back to the States when I was about 18. Uh, so with that background, uh, Kelly Grissom uh, and I uh, were essentially sitting around a cubicle when we used to work together and kind of came up with this idea uh, of somehow taking Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu over there to develop the foundation for mixed martial arts uh, to, you know, and, every, and the rest is pretty much history and basically uh, been supported ever since. That's how it started off. As a small endeavor, we never thought it was going to go this big, and here we are 30 projects later, uh, you know, uh, uh, dozens uh, of volunteers and contributors uh, that either travel to Africa or contribute in their own way uh, here in the continent, right? Uh, we have uh, just today, uh, I got Tim Dawson, who's competing. I think he has a last match. Uh, just uh, competed, uh, I'm sorry, volunteered to become our legal uh, consultant, right? And he's a lawyer. So this is basically how we inspire, uh, you know, if we, if our strength, if we have any strength, it's truly the ability to inspire people and to motivate people to volunteer their time and their energy uh, towards a cause greater than themselves. I want to talk about that actually. So um, a little bit on that is what's been amazing to watch is um, other organizations volunteering their help and their assistance, and people all over the world really just digging in and jumping in and saying, how can I help? How can I be a supporter? How can I go coach? How can I go attend? That You know, I don't even want to coach. I just want to go with you guys and travel with you. And it's been just an amazing response, and we've had... You know, a couple of bigger companies that have done work with us, including Show Your Roll and uh, Hyperfly. Um, But really, when you see the people 
that are all in touch from around the world that are doing the work together, that's what amazes me every day. I mean, my feed is just filled with people that are either supporters or coaches or have been on a trip and just, you know, they may have been three years ago and they're still posting about it all the time. And that's what's been amazing. And aside from the effects that we're trying to have on the continent, what we started to find with each trip is that all the people that traveled, all the Americans that traveled, started to feel like they'd had this kind of very moving experience for their own pursuit of martial arts, connecting across a continent, across arts. Everyone that went felt a very deep connection. And speaking of that connection, I think a lot of times... uh, people who have gone over to support sometimes it's easy to forget the power of martial arts right and the meaning of it like sometimes you know we can take it for granted because we have access to this information so one thing i noticed when i was there is just how how the, the willingness to learn and the amount of time and and, and, and effort that people put in the, to training you know of uh, hours hour, like five hours six hours we did seminars there and you know one of the seminars we scheduled about two hours it went you know damn near five hours you know and everyone was still willing to go to yeah. go longer but again that's that's that that access to information that is easy for us to take for granted sometimes so yeah. um to, to piggyback on what uh, what kelly was saying in addition to being beneficial to a lot of the uh, people in communities we're trying to help there it's been equally if not more so beneficial to the people here whose yeah. lives is uh is changed so. This December, it's the first ever submission-only world championships by U.S. Grappling. Now, a lot of tournaments that you hear say submission-only are really submission-maybe, where you get a 10-minute time limit, you get a 20-minute time limit, maybe there's a tiebreaker. But if you really want a true outcome, you have to put two people on the mat, and it only ends when one of them gives up. So that's why U.S. Grappling is running December 1st, the sub-only world championships. If you're a jiu-jitsu competitor that has never tested yourself in this way, trust me, it's an amazing experience that you won't forget. And U.S. Grappling is the best-run tournament around. You can register online at usgrappling.com. Do it early. Save yourself a few bucks. What are some of the changes that you've seen for the people in Africa, the people that you're affecting in Africa? So I know that you touched base a little bit on that, saying that um, that you've seen schools open and mm-hmm. people are being able to generate some income. But what are some other ways that you're seeing um, the, the projects that you're that you're you're doing there? How are they helping people, or how are they changing lives? Well, so in addition to different things, just the what what exactly does it mean when someone's uh, income change of being able to do something that opens up everything you know what i mean uh when when your your economic situation changes your values change you know what i mean you have time to you know do so much more get involved in so much more instead of you know focusing on living day by day trying to get by so um the the connections that we've made in addition to just going there a lot of people you know we we connect with them on facebook we still keep in contact with them we build relationships with them that's also more incentive to go back and stay in touch so besides um and also the training too right so it used to be because kelly was going was going out there so it was like okay now whenever no different than when an event is coming up and everyone's training harder because that event is coming up but but now it's to the point where the scene has been built there so much we don't need like this injection of hey lionheart is coming to do this the the motivation is still there and because of social media we can see that we can see that the frequency uh of, of the training and things like that yeah and that's actually 
exactly what I was going to touch on. It's kind of like... I took that. Yeah, you did. <laughs> like training the trainers and you're going in and changing certain people's lives there who mm. are then going to influence 10 mm. times more than one trip could ever make. Because you know, they Because there. they live mm-hmm. there and they're mm-hmm. doing it every day and that's a huge difference. And... We have we put our heart and souls into it, but we also don't want to overstate, you know, the, the, the scene. You know, Lamba is a centuries-old, beautiful African tradition. It, it, in, in, in this endeavor, it has nothing to do with that other than it's related and, and it's not meant to be some kind of displacement. And that would never happen. We're talking about kind of a grassroots level. We are seeing some success. And with more effort, there would be more. But our jiu-jitsu models and martial arts models could provide economic opportunity for people. They just need the knowledge. And they'll figure out how to use how to that. use that knowledge. And that's what we're seeing. We see that if we provide the bona fides and the knowledge, then, in, you know, hardworking folks then figure out how to, how to turn that opportunity into a potential way of life. Yeah. Where before they maybe didn't have one so where do you see your program in in mma for africa where do you see this going in the future what do you how do you see what's your vision of the evolution and like what's your what's the reality like time you know with either a timeline or like this is we'd love to have this but this is probably what the reality is going to be i think this is a really good question um Frankly, I think we touched on where, we, where we've been, how it started, uh, with 30 projects into it. Uh, we have seen some, uh, we have seen some, some, um, some growth, uh, some development. We've had a lot of successes. Uh, it's been a rough road. Where we are today, we are in the middle of a sustained, uh, deliberate campaign uh, to, to continue to drive uh, you know, our goal, which is ultimately to establish uh, well-regulated MMA and uh, Got, you know, sports that are basically the basis for MMA, such as, uh, again, there's a wide range of sports, but, you know, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, very high on that list. Uh, you know, uh, there's already striking and things of that nature that exist, but we're hoping to truly establish uh, uh, competitive uh, circuits locally. Uh, we're hoping to develop uh, enterprises and, and, frankly, just get fighters there's so much talent there's so much talent so much energy uh, and so much hunger right and uh if i had to put it in a simple way in one sentence really our goal uh is to one day uh see a world champ uh and whatever uh, promotion company is going to be the promotion today is the ufc bellator you know it's going to be something different maybe uh, by that time but whatever the highest level uh of the sport is uh we want to see an african kid uh, that we've touched in a small way, uh, raise his hand as a champion of the world in any weight class, you know. And after that, I could probably die satisfied, you know, knowing that, that all the efforts that we've put in, uh, are frankly, uh, were well worth it. One of the one of the things that I'm excited about, just listening to you all talk, is um, I'm interested to see how Lam- Lambda is Lamba, Lamba yeah. is going to influence jujitsu because oh, everybody's yeah. background is influencing jujitsu, and jujitsu has evolved so yeah. rapidly. And, and, and oddly enough, it, it already is at a very subtle level. 
But a lot of the guys that we have taken on these trips over the last five years, their individual games evolved because of their Lamba experience, and they brought that back into the gym. Yeah. You know, we, we got guys coming back on, we should be doing Lamba once a week yeah. because of the effect it has on a takedown game. And certainly, like my guys who've been on every trip in my gym, a big part of their psyche is that they understand that sport and that's part of their imprint as grapplers. That, that, that's an insightful and, uh, and, observation. And where we are right now at Toro Cup, uh, there are a lot of athletes who have been on these trips who compete here. And seriously, if you look back on their tapes of their matches, you can definitely tell the influence that it's had on them. Do you foresee a, a, a time when we might have somebody from one of your projects in Africa coming and doing a Toro Cup match? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, would, I would say before, before Toro Cup 20. That's I have the hope to build a, a scholarship program through raised funds to hopefully bring one of these athletes um, to potentially stay at my school and maybe work for me for a period of six months while we also help them establish further bona fides to go back home and and eventually these people the guys we're working with are eventually going to be the the authority yeah you know but it's going to take time just like it took us time yeah that's what we're working towards if you if you look back on jujitsu in the u.s and you see when when people would travel for hours and hours and hours to go train with a purple belt that's exactly where they are now you know like we they they promoted the first purple belt the last trip and people travel for hours to come train there and you know here we have this amazing thing where we have 20 black belts in the other room right now it's crazy but not that long ago the u.s was in the exact same situation where people were seeking out this knowledge and would travel as far as they needed to go to get it and that's where they are now so we just want to keep building that up and keep the growth going so what are um, some ways that people, that any of our listeners um, and anybody here at Toro Cup, if they want to get involved, if they want to reach out, if they want to find out how they can be, um, how they can just find out more about what your initiative is, um, how do they reach you guys or how do they find out? How do they get help or how do they help you? All right. So as I mentioned before, we're always looking for volunteers, uh, looking for contributors uh, to travel, people to volunteer back in the States and whatever their capacity is, whether it's social media, uh, contributing writers. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, Tim Dawson just volunteered to uh, become a, a, you know, a legal consultant uh, just today, like less than an hour ago. Uh, and we continue to want to continue to inspire people to, uh, to come help. And to do so, you can find us at www.mma for forafrica.com and on social media uh facebook or instagram you can find us at uh basically at mma for africa number four yes uh africa and uh yeah we we're out there and uh to the network will link you any any entry point into the network will link you to other uh you know uh, other platforms and uh learn more contact us please and uh, as far as social media, honestly, uh, this is Saida, if you can't tell. It, I'm a pretty frequent subscriber to your social media feed. So um, I post a lot about it. If you just want to repost, if we just get the word out more and more and more, whatever you can do, wherever you see it, wherever you see us wearing a patch, take a picture, tag it, whatever you can do to just build the movement is going to be great for it. And cash is always king. We do have a, a 
an authorized donate button on the Facebook page, you can go in there and donate a dollar, five dollars, anything, everything helps because as I'm fond of saying, we're definitely a nonprofit because yeah, we're I'm, an official nonprofit, <laughs> so it is tax deductible. I'm definitely not profiting from it. <laughs> so, yeah. So that 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 that's also aside from the spiritual, emotional sharing, all that other stuff. If someone's in a position to help that way, it goes. It, every single cent goes to getting top athletes into the country. Every cent. Nothing goes to any staff operations. In fact, we're paying for all that stuff too. So we're hoping to get, well, we got a lot of stuff coming up. We got a big one. We're hoping to take Muhammad Ali to Senegal in the spring. He's volunteered to go over there, but we got to make that happen through the nonprofit. So that, that, that's the kind of stuff that that cash will help us take somebody of that caliber so he can have a life changing experience, but so our partners there can get that level of exposure to the art. And to be clear, it's Muhammad Ali, the Zen Jiu-Jitsu world champ. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for talking with me today. Um, If any of the listeners, if you guys want to find out more information um, and you did not catch uh, the the website and the social media site, you can also look on the Dirty White White Belt website and we'll have it linked there. And I believe Toro Cup also has links on their website. So you can go to either of those two websites and look it up. If you if you're in the Triangle area, then I'm sure you know who Saida is. She's she's all up and down the East Coast competing, and so reach out to her, or um, reach out to one of us, and uh, we'll be sure to get you uh, linked in with MMA for Africa. Thank you guys for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. My thanks to Lourdes Cantu for doing that interview and to Kelly Grissom, A.K. Rupert, Dewan Owens, and Saida Durkee for talking to her. That's the first of several mini-shows we're going to be putting out in the wake of Toro Cup. Watch for some more from some of your favorite competitors, some of your local friends, and some people doing great things in the martial arts community. Uh, This is Dirty White Belt Radio. My name is Jeff Shaw, and we'll see you all again real soon.